G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. There's great power in awareness that all of you belongs to God and to whom much is given, much is required. Today with Jeff Vines. Hi and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, we continue a message all about our stuff, the things God has given to us. Even as a grown-up Christian, sometimes we can sound a bit like a cranky young person. Don't touch my stuff. To help adjust our views on our stuff, we're looking at Matthew chapter 25. So open up your Bible to Matthew 25 verse 13 and the parable of the bags of gold. Let's continue this message now on Today with Jeff Vines. Matthew chapter 25, back to verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent. Circle the word talent in your Bible if you follow me that way. It has a dual meaning. It refers to money, gold. There's an economic insinuation, but it also refers to your talent, your skills, and your abilities. So he's saying there's great power in awareness that all of you belongs to God and to whom much is given, much is required. First word, awareness. Second word, adventure. Go back to the parable now. Verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went and once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So in the parable, there's an expectation that whatever God gives you, that there's going to be an investment and it's going to grow. You're going to work. You're going to toil. There's going to be effort. Now look up. Isn't it true? And young people, now I hope you know this message is specifically for you. Well, what? I'm in school. I don't have a job yet. Any amount of money that you have is given to you by God if it's $10 a month. If a guy makes $2 million a year, and, and gives $50,000 to the kingdom of God. And then you've got this person over here that makes $100 a year, but she gives 10. Who is obeying the spirit of the law? The one who gives the 10. It's not how much you give. It is not equal amounts. It's equal sacrifice. So the person who gives very little could be following the spirit of the law to a greater degree than someone who gives heaps but makes so much more. To whom much is given, much is required. Now, there's going to be a lot you spend your money on that you don't like, right? How many of you just can't wait to write the check for a speeding ticket? 
Now, my police officer friends tell me there's a surefire way never, to, never again to, to pay a speeding ticket. Stop speeding. <laughs> there are plenty of things that we do in our lives that we write checks for that we really don't like. Now, here's what I want you to contrast that with. Children in the slums of Kenya who are now able to go to school because of the reason that you gave and you gave them a chance at life. They can go into an accelerated learning program and have a computer lab in the slums of Kenya that you provided and who are given a legitimate opportunity to break the cycle of poverty and poor health and an early death. How does that make you feel? I don't know if you know this, but our global outreach director, Mark Oakley, do you know what he was doing a couple of years before he took this job? He was working for Chiquita Banana. He was the managing director of all of their enterprises in South America. So this is a big-time entrepreneur. I flew to Lexington to ask him to consider using the gifts that God had given him, and you make a ton of money when you're in that job, to come here where you're not going to make anywhere near that kind of money, but use your gifts for a purpose greater than yourself. I expected him to say no. Almost fell out of my chair when he said yes. And his vision is amazing because he thinks along those lines. And some of you students back here, man, you're incredibly gifted. And you might be thinking president of the United States. You might be thinking CEO of a major corporation. But I'm telling you, God may have his hand on you for ministry. You may not make a month. You may not make much money. Oh, here we go with the cheese factor. But the retirement benefits are out of this world. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. That's so old. How old is that? Mark's vision is that first of all, we would go to Kenya and Zimbabwe and India, Peru, places, and we would feed people. Because you can't teach people if they're hungry. <laughs> and then after we feed them, that we would dig wells so they'd have pure water, not only to drink, but when a village gets pure drinking water, it stifles or stagnates disease. And that we would repair the dilapidated schools and put computer labs in these bush schools so that these kids could get a jump on life and get out of the rural areas and have a chance at life and living. And then to build health clinics in these rural areas where moms could come and have their children in a safe and clean environment. And then here's what I love about Mark. Mark knows that it's important not just to keep pumping cash into a place, but to help create a self-sustaining lifestyle. So what we do, his idea was to go and give a, 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 a Zimbabwean farmer some chickens. And then the chickens, of course, lay eggs. It's an amazing thing. That's how it works. And then he gets more chickens because chickens beget chickens. And then he starts a chicken farm. And then he's self-supporting. He's able to make a living and survive and do the same thing in the village with cattle. And to help them become entrepreneurs of a small enterprise where they can make it. I think that's brilliant. And then as we've done that, I was just in Zimbabwe and they showed me the land where they're about to build a 500 seat worship center. This is beautiful because you know what happens? There are three villages in Zimbabwe that they wonder who these gracious and kind people are in Southern California that would love them so much to give them a chance at life when their own president's trying to kill them. And of course they're going to want to hear, these kids are going to want to hear what it is that makes you tick. What it is that you know that they don't know. And the gospel just goes from strength to strength. 
We have missionaries in Peru who opened a school supply store and an internet cafe. They're trying to raise money there to send preachers into the Arab world. We're working with Ajay Law in India to finance preachers who are going across the borders into Arab countries to preach the gospel. And a lot of them are dying. They are giving their lives for the progress of the gospel. Wells in Zimbabwe, food and clothing in Kenya, health clinics. My trip this last year, it was great to see those kids just come around you and sing special songs and just out of gratitude for what this church has meant to them. Now, does that fire you up that your money is used like that to save people's lives? But here's the problem. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. I hear what you're saying, Pastor Jeff, but I know for a fact not all my money goes to Zambia or Zimbabwe or Kenya or Peru. Well, of course it doesn't. Of course. And I make zero apologies because is it right to take care of those who are far away and neglect those who are close by? So I want us to have the best children's program on the planet. I want us to be able to connect with those who are far from God. And Don Frazier and Roy Hart have this great vision for the Young Explorers Club that we're trying to get off the ground. Does it cost money? Yes, but how much are souls worth? How much? So we make no apology for spending money on our children's program. We make no apology for going out into our local schools with Kaleidoscope and teaching and mentoring and loving at-risk kids to give them a chance at life, man. And I don't know if you've realized this, guys, but every week... I have a major aim when I stand before you. And sometimes it gets very difficult. I depend on the grace and the mercy and the wisdom of God. But every week I try to do two things. I try to grow the believer through the word, but connect with those who are far from God who may be visiting. To try to use a language that they would understand and avoid churchy type ideas in order that they might connect with what we're saying and be interested in our Savior doesn't mean that we're going to be shallow or water things down. It just means that we're going to be cognizant of the fact that not everybody grew up in church. And some things in church are absolutely foreign ideas. But if we can just take a moment to explain them, the people find Christ. We're on our knees up in those offices, praying that God would give us ideas and strategies to reach those who are far from God. So yes, we will spend money to go to the Felix Center on Easter and Christmas. Why? Because we've discovered that some people will never walk into a church, but they'll come to a place like that. And then we can connect with them. And literally last Easter, we had hundreds of people raise their hand and want to find out more about Jesus. And some gave their lives to Christ. So yeah, how much money is a soul worth? Especially when God has blessed us in the manner that he has. We bring people onto our campus here with trunk or treat because we want the people to come to our campus and we spend money on candy. We spend the Lord's money on candy? Well, of course we do. It's a brilliant idea. People come, people like candy and they come and they eat the candy and they meet people like Dane Johnson and they still are interested in our church. <laughs> and relationships develop, friendship occurs. This is the great adventure. And Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now stay with me, I'm almost done. We'll get back to that final word here in a second. I'm just saying, man, we pray up there that God would give us the resources that we need so that we can have the home for single moms, so that we can have housing for homeless. There is an old broken down motel in Glendora that we've been looking at that we want to own and repair and then allow single moms who are struggling to have a place to stay till they get back on their feet without having to pay rent or homeless people who just need a chance, a second chance at life. And I know every time I talk like this, I know what people say. Well, Jeff, you're just setting yourself up to be taken advantage of. 
Don't you think I know that? I know some people will take advantage. Does that mean we don't help the people who have legitimate needs? It's up to them. They're responsible for the goodness they get from the people of God. And we'll do the best we can, but we got to meet people's needs. There are legitimate needs by people who have no fault of their own or in a situation they need the help and the church has got to rise up. I still have the vision of that free grocery store, you know, where you come in and if you need food, you just get it and go. Because God has blessed a lot of us with enough and we have more than enough. All I'm saying is we've been praying that God would give us the resources to be able to accomplish this. But here's the truth. He already has. If people in our church tithed, $13 million a year would come into this place. I believe that God gave the people of this church, if you base it on $50,000 household income and the number of people who come to this church, there's around probably eight to 10,000 people who come regularly once or twice a week, but our average attendance is around 5,000 because not everybody comes every week. If they did, you get what we did at Easter where we almost hit that mark. The important thing is that I believe that God gave the people of our church between 130 and $200 million last year. And the question is, not is God going to provide, but are we going to give it for the cause of Christ? You know, I just refuse to do the manipulation thing. I refuse to do the God's going to curse you if you don't do it. Let me say it again. You're saved if you don't tithe. Because you're saved on the basis of the cross and what Jesus did. Okay? Please don't ever forget that. And I don't think manipulation or coercion works anyway. And I don't like it when I go to a church and a pastor stands up and says, I'm telling you, if you give $10 to God, he'll give 100 back. Well, if I really believe that, I'd give everybody $10 when they walked in tonight. <laughs> Come on, put your money where your mouth is. If you believe it, you first. <laughs> but God doesn't always give you your blessings in the form of cash. Jesus says, for you to understand the relationship between your stuff and the kingdom of God so that you can bring the ideal into the real and be salt and light, one, you have to have an awareness that everything comes from God. Two, you got to take the great adventure and see what God will use and do with your resources. And three, and finally and quickly, unfortunately, we fall into this trap more than the other two, apprehension. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Now I want you to notice something. Who in heaven's name would describe God as a hard man? Somebody who's outside the kingdom. Because if you're inside the kingdom, you know God's merciful and gracious and patient and kind and forgiving. So this is a man who's outside of the kingdom. When you're outside of the kingdom, you make a division between what you think belongs to you and what you think belongs to God, and you separate the two. But when you're in the kingdom, you don't separate them. You know that it all belongs to God, and the model of your life becomes this. What's mine is not mine if I am his. What's mine is not mine if I am his. So let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. What's mine is not mine if I'm his. That was weak. That was weak. You know why that's weak? Now, if I were telling you to say, I give God 10, he gives me 100, we'd be shouting the roof off. This is a hard one. Let's do it together with passion and vigor. Here we go. One, two, three. What's mine is not mine if I am his. And you're right. So I ask you in the end of this message, and I'm the last thing tonight, what is your stewardship quotient? 
And for a lot of us, it's about 2.5, maybe. Now think about that. Imagine going out to eat with about eight to 10 of your friends to a nice restaurant and great meal, good service, and you tip the waiter or waitress 2.5%. Because most of you tip your waiter and waitresses more than you do God. What would the manager do of the restaurant? What's wrong? Was the food not good? Was the service bad? Or are you just being mean? And sometimes I think God wants to say, what's wrong, man? What is wrong? You don't know that everything ultimately comes from me? You don't know if I can trust you with a little, I'll trust you with a lot? I mean, 2.5%, really? What happened? Do you, do you misunderstand or are you just being mean? So here's what I want you to do. I want to give you the four stages of giving in the Christian life. And I want you to identify which stage you're in and make a commitment to grow to the next stage. And then we're going to end the message. There are four stages of giving for the Christian. Number one, infant giving. Infant giving is the person who says, what? Give money? Nobody said anything about giving money. What? No, no. (laughs) Easy, easy, grow, grow. Okay. Then there's toddler giving. Toddler giving is, look, daddy, I gave you $10. Even though I make 150K a year, I gave you $10 this year. Aren't I a good boy? Yay for me, God. You know what God does? God does. Great job. Grow. Grow. Good job, little darling, but now you need to grow. 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 And then, of course, there's teenage giving. What gives? Says who? Who says that? What are you talking about? You're not the boss of me. I don't have to do what you say. Why? Why should I give? I'm going to take the Greek on that. <laughs> You've got teenagers. Okay, I tell you what, I'll give, but I expect something in return. Right? That's teenage giving. Adult giving. Says, man, I can't believe I used to make a big deal about this. I can't believe I used to say, well, I'll give, but you better make me an elder. You got no idea what you're asking. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give, but you better name a chair after me or put my name in the bricks outside or rename the cafe to Jeff Vines Cafe. <laughs> Actually, you know, you put your name in that blank. Okay. Or I'll give, Pastor Jeff, but I want to have a say where my money goes. Really? You do. How do you think it works? You're going to put a $100 bill in the offering plate and you want us to separate it out from everybody else and designate it someplace here. Now you can do that. We do that in missions, but some people want everything to go to one category all the time. Really? That becomes a matter. Are you in with this vision or not? (laughs) Folks, I had a guy email me and said, Pastor Jeff, I love the church and I do give 10% of my money to the kingdom. I just don't give any to the church. I give it all to parachurch organizations. I said, man, that's great. Now, i got two questions for you. Number one, what if everybody at CCV did what you did? Think about it. What if everybody gave the way you gave? And second, I'm all for parachurch organizations. There are some great ones, but that's called your offering on top of your tithe. So if you want to give, great. Bring the tithes into the storehouse and bring your offerings out to as many organizations as you want. The whole purpose of the parable is Jesus is reminding us that greed 
surrenders to generosity at the point of conversion. And I'm simply asking, maybe what all of us need to do, surely it's time for us to grow up now. And what usually happens in a message like this is those who are already tithing give more. That's usually what happens. And the zero to 50 continue on the path. And I'm asking you to change that. And what all of us need to do is ask ourselves, do I have a heart and passion ultimately for the kingdom of God? And if I don't, I'm asking you to pray that God give it to you in a hurry. Because when you get your heart hooked up to something like that in such a great vision and the expansion of God's kingdom on this planet, the other stuff will follow. What we need is a heart change. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. And I ask you in Jesus' name that for anything that I've spoken here that is not an accurate reflection of your word, I pray for forgiveness. And I pray that that would fall by the wayside. Anything that I have spoken that is consistent with your word and your truth, I pray that that seed would make its way deep into the spiritual constitution of every believer and would take deep root and begin to grow in a strong and powerful and mighty way. I thank you for the work that's already being done and for the people in this church who already give so much and serve so well. We honor them as you honor them, I know. We thank you for our salvation that comes through grace and faith, not by works of the law. But we also pray that you would forever make us mindful and open our eyes to the spirit of generosity that you expect your church to have because we've been given everything. There is the expectation to share for the purpose of the good news and the advancement of the gospel throughout the world. We pray that there would one day be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ in every home, and it would be so, because at one moment and one time in the life of this church, our eyes were opened that everything ultimately belongs to you, and the first fruits go to you in return as a sign of our commitment that it all belongs to God. In your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, folks. This is Today with Jeff Vines. I'm so glad we've been able to bring you these messages from Pastor Jeff. We have one more in this short series on Christian atheism, a message about those times we don't want to forgive. If you wait until the day of accountability, when the king is settling the accounts, and you go to him and you say, just give me some more time and I'll pay it all back, that's an insult to the king because no amount of moral goodness would ever pay the debt. Join us next time. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.